Shumrabyug. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Sure Look, Sure Listen, the podcast that takes a pop at culture. Sure Look, Sure Listen. 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 Oh, very spicy, Ben. You get a little bit more, uh, you get a little bit more oomph into that intro every week. Benjamin, <laughs> yes. sure look it. This week, we're taking a look at Rick and Morty season episode 5-7. We're also, Ben, going to have a look. <laughs> if, if anyone, if there's any new listeners, that's it. They're gone now. <laughs> they're this is they're gone. gone. There's some incontinent idiot has made a ball to the <laughs> intro. Benjamin, we're also going to have a look at the Suicide Squad trailer and the new trailer for what you call Shang-Chi, but I call Shang-Chi. And, Ben, there's been an episode of Unlucky. There has. Sure, listen, Michael, if that wasn't enough, this week's main topic is going to be Merciless Monster Hunters. We're going to take a look at the history and the role of the monster hunter in literature, fiction, comics, movies, what have you. We've had lots of bloody listener input, so there's plenty to get through this week. Benjamin, I'm glad you said um, if that isn't enough, because this week, as every week, it probably isn't. Benjamin. (laughs) Go on. Benjamin, my favourite... Uh, mostly nude, sexually suggestive character is Namor, King of the Oceans. Yes, he's a very famous Marvel staple. Yes. Ben, when I was growing up as a small child in the country of Ireland, this country that we're both in, I called him Namor. Oh, I would have called him Namor once upon a time as well, Michael. Mm, mm. Is that an accent thing, Ben? Are we more inclined to say Namor? It's similar to the way that Dublin people say bus. Instead of bus. <laughs> um, I think it's just nice heavy vowels. Namor. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like Nama, Ben. Like Nama. Yeah. Oh, bloody Nama. Yeah, exactly, Ben. Benjamin, why am I talking about Namor or Namor? Uh, because it's a lot of fun to play around with that, Michael. And the fact is that that character used to pronounce his name every two panels yeah, back yeah. in the day. That's one um, of the things, isn't it? Yeah, he had a, a serious third person... Uh, fetish Michael would be like I Namor Prince of the Sea um, and he liked to announce his title in pretty much every time he made a decree and that's uh, that's the exact character Michael that was uh, mercilessly taken the piss out of uh, by the creators of Rick and Morty and the writers at Rick and Morty because we got uh, season 5 episode 1 Mr. Nimbus mm. Michael that wasn't the name of the episode but that's what I'm calling it uh, <clears throat> Mr. Nimbus made his appearance as Rick, uh, Rick's oldest foe, his nemesis. His old nemesis, Ben. His old nemesis, and he's not allowed to touch the sea, Michael, which I thought was very, very funny. A great way to start the the episode. And then, Michael, it made me think back to all the other episodes, and I was like, surely they've been in the sea. Have surely. They surely. They've not. They've never been they've... in the sea. Well, they did the Rick Lantis episode, but we never saw what happened. Because mm. that was the episode where we saw the alternate Council of Rick's evil Morty ah. thing. So and maybe Rick f- was off dealing with Mr. Nimbus. Perhaps. We don't know, Michael. But then the revelation of Mr. Nimbus was a huge shock to Morty. So I don't know if that's true. Perhaps a continuity error. Who cares? Who cares? Um, <clears throat> Michael, what we dealt with here was uh, Mr. Nimbus who wants to renegotiate the contract with the sea because Rick had the audacity to set his foot in it. This, Michael, yes. for me was a return to the Rick and Morty glory days. Mm, interesting. This was a nice return to what they do best, which is weird comic book references, intense mini-world building, uh, snowball consequences. 
I liked it. Benjamin, I was watching it and I thought to myself, they could have plucked this anywhere out of season one or season two. It's it's before Rick was an absolute unstoppable force of nature that it's before Rick got flanderized, basically. Oh, nice, Michael. We'll be doing an episode on flanderization in a couple of weeks. Um, so that's a that's an excellent segue. A little little cookie in there to to make that happen. Um, but yeah, so one of the one of the key things, uh, Mick, is that Rick can't uh, Rick his way out of this one. I'm going to use mm-hmm. his his name as a verb. There's a wonderful kind of uh, timey wimey accelerated speed thing where every time Morty goes into an alternate dimension to get some wine. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is very entertaining in itself and very Rick and Morty in itself. Uh, the the space that they keep the wine in ages exponentially every time. And so a whole society grows up around the demonization of one Mortimer. Yes, it's probably his own fault. And uh, to, the po- to the point where their technology outstrips uh, Rick's by a, a country mile. So he comes in, tries to save the day, uh, and fails horribly because they rip all his gadgets and enhancements and da-da-da-da out. And it's a real change. You You said it yourself there, Michael. You said, you know, it wasn't Godric yeah. wandering around, just ben, doing what he likes. He even says, hold on a minute while Deus Ex Machina this shit. Yeah. And, and then can't. So they're, and then can't. Ben, they're meta-referencing themselves. Mad. I, I mean, Mad. by the time we got around to Rick and Morty season five, that was always a possibility, Michael. <laughs> Benjamin. Yeah. I liked that Mr. Nimbus controls the police. Mr. Nimbus controls the police. He's a, what was he? He's a dick cold killer, Morty. Yeah, he's a dick cold killer. But Ben, he controls the police in the most literal sense. That was brilliant. I saw it coming, but it was still brilliant. It was still great. <laughs> yeah, very good. <laughs> um, yes, there's a lot of interesting things that happen there. Morty's saving the day at the start. So Godric is put in jeopardy from the very beginning. Um, Mick, it's it's pretty good storytelling. Like the whatever weird Cthulhu-esque adventure they're on at the beginning of the episode, shows Rick to be very fallible, mm. very weak, and he's having his moments. I'm a silly man. I'm a silly, silly man. Um, and it's, it's pretty entertaining. Um, Mr. Nimbus is a phenomenal reference to Namor. Namor came out in 1939. Mick. Yeah, yeah, one of the first superheroes. One of the things, Ben, is it's not that much of a parody, though. No, it's him. It's, it's <laughs> Namor. Yeah, he's like, camping it, around the place. He's uh, trying to seduce people. He's... Is, is he good or is he bad? Yeah, it's other than controlling the police, it's pretty much spot on. It's spot on because that's what that's what Namor does. Namor's always trying to ride Sue Storm in the Fantastic Four. Maybe not quite as suggestively as in, in Rick and Morty, but yes. In the early days though, Michael. He's in like, the early days, mm, quite know, suggestively. Have you seen my nipples? I've got no top on. Look at my speedos. Look at my um, speedos. I've got no top on. This is for the ladies. This justifies the lady costumes. Mm. So this is a. This is also a weird deepening of that Reed Richards Rick Sanchez comparison because we've we've had that before, Michael, with the Council of Ricks, which is a reference to the Council of Reeds in Jonathan Hickman's run on Fantastic Four, um, and they're old rivals. And he kind of mentions. I think we finally get the name of. Rick's ex-wife or uh, now dead wife is it Diane is that what he said no I think so so we we actually get the name and then Rick is like don't you dare try and Mm. backcannon me you son of a bitch Um, and it's a it's a I look I enjoyed it I thought it was a return to form Um, I thought it was less crude than it usually is or has become Mm. in the flanderization of itself Uh, now don't get me wrong there's still a man of the sea trying to seduce Beth and Jerry but you know yeah yeah what what are you gonna do? And what does what does um what does Summer say? 
let's lick them titties. <laughs> yeah. Well, and she, so again, playing very rep, self-referential with themselves and kind of loose and fast. And um, Summer is apparently a very capable granddaughter all of a sudden. So yes. it's like, you go steal the power conch for granddad. Yeah, Summer's the best. Benjamin. Go on. Speaking of things that upset the nerds, though. Oh, go on. We watched a trailer for The Suicide Squad. We did, with one Idris Elba. Idris Elba, Ben. 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 Yes. Ben. Yes. It's just Deadshot again. Oh, it's just Deadshot again, yeah. (laughs) He's just playing Deadshot again. Yeah, probably could have just recast him. Could have just recast him, had him be Deadshot. Like, you can do that sometimes. I I don't get why he's in prison because he was committing crimes for the sake of his daughter and his power is guns. He's just Deadshot. Like, He's just Deadshot again. They've already established that backstory, Ben. But with William Smith. With with one William Smith. I think what we're going to see, Michael, when we eventually watch that film is every time they go to mention uh, Bloodsport's name, it'll actually just be one of those TikTok automated voice dubs saying Bloodsport instead of Deadshot, which is originally what mm. it was. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a weird change, um, <clears throat> Michael. It's... Yeah, it could be. It, you could just swap one for the other. There's, yeah. there's no need, unless it's just a, a pure, a pure decency thing on the side of Idris Elba, as opposed to bringing him in to replace another black man. They were like, "Well, we'll give you a new character. We'll give do you that. a new character. Just, it's fine. We just won't change anything else. Yeah, don't change anything else. <laughs> just, just control F, control W, find, replace, bloodshot, dead sport, whatever. Um, what I really want to see Michael is if if there's a hinted romantic uh, burgeoning relationship between himself and and Harley Quinn because then we really will know that it's Mm. just a rewrite of bloody Suicide Squad 1 Benjamin yeah I think in that trailer that we just watched we saw a lot of the characters having their last moment before death yeah I think we got a lot of Zack Schneider slow CGI moments of Mm. of, uh, bye bye yeah yeah like Polka Dot Man, Ben. I think when Polka Dot Man said, I'm a superhero, I reckon he's getting splat in the very next scene. Oh, I, I think so. I think that's I think that's bang on the money, Michael. I think, yeah. Yeah, nailed that one. It, it's Look, we got a lot of... Uh, we got a lot of little mini character vignettes there, Michael, and got a better understanding of how it's going to work as a thing. I quite like the look of it. Yeah, um, I like the look of Weasel, Ben. He's my favourite character. Is he a werewolf? He goes, oh, what's the weird joke they make? Oh, he does eat children, though. Yeah. No, and I was like, like oh! He's a, he's a weasel. He's completely harmless. Well, he's not completely harmless. He has killed 27 children. Which is a bit of a... It's an interesting thing to do a joke about in a trailer. That's dark. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's dark. That's very that's dark, like, Ben. That's James Gunn on Twitter a couple of years ago, dark. Do you yeah, know what yeah. I mean? Um, that's hilarious isn't it <laughs> I don't know I don't know if that's James Gunn being like I'm untouchable mm. look at me um, look the the big controversy Michael as you hinted at there as you introduced it was um, Bloodsport seems to state that he shot Superman or sorry Viola Davis states that he put Superman in the hospital with a kryptonite bullet the actress Viola Davis the actress, the actress Viola Davis, who has confused the real world for the DC Comics universe. She's always doing that. I know. Poor Viola. Uh, so, <laughs> what I was actually saying there was, uh, this seems to have caused a little bit of a stir and people going, oh, Bloodsport couldn't do that. Uh, 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 uh. Um, to which James Gunn, um, Twitter ben, god that he is, went, ben, actually. 
Ben, you, can, you can always rely on you not to create a hideous straw man of the people you're disagreeing with. No, I don't care. I am I am I am a weak, low and shallow man and I will play the part. <laughs> All right. Uh, so in this case uh, James Gunn came out and he was like uh, actually there's a lot of precedent and he cited the exact issue where Superman was put in the hospital by a kryptonite bullet um, shot by an unknown assailant so mm. it's, it's pretty uh, it's pretty num 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 yes. deep comic book layering there yes but also Superman being put in the hospital by a kryptonite bullet happening off screen is an interesting choice yeah, I think I'd prefer to see that in the opening vignette somehow. Yeah, <laughs> I think, rather I than think just I'd, be told. I, I'd watch Henry Cavill go, oh, oh, I've been shot. And then, oh, I've been bloody fucking shot. Yeah. Uh, I'd watch that. Oh, I've been shot. I can't play any more Warhammer. Oh, no. How am I going to build my own custom PCs? Yeah. Oh, my That's God. It. Sign into my Warcraft account and sell my auctions. So yeah, that's that's exactly how that would go because Superman's you know mad into that kind of thing. Um, are you excited for the film, Michael? Do you want to see it? I am not Ben, but I will see oh. it though. Oh okay, I will okay. see it, but I'm not excited for it because Ben. Go on. I've been burnt one too many times. <laughs> yeah, no, that's the DC universe has let me down too many times. Too many times, Ben. They've let me down too many times. I'm sure it'll be. Where I'm seeing it coming out, Ben, in in the realm of quality, is I think it's going to be DC's Rogue One. Yeah, okay. I'll take that. You know, it'll be good. It might even be the best DC film. That wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. But It's not, it's not a high bar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But is it going to be an all-time classic? I don't bloody think so. But I, I, think, I'll, I think I'll see it and I'll enjoy it. I'm I'm very worried, Michael, at the minute because we we also got this week, and this isn't on the notes. Sorry, this is apropos of nothing. Um, we also got a little glimpse into what the new Shazam, uh, Shazam. costumes look like. Yeah, and they've taken away that lovely childlike tone, and they've given mm. them kind of Superman mesh suits from Man yeah. of Steel, mm. uh, with a lot of texturing and darker hues and stuff. And I'm like, oh, oh, oh. DC. I'll bring it in line, are we? You you made great cookies. Why are you adding fucking sugar? Don't don't do it. Or taking sugar out as the case yeah, may sugar, be. Ben, sugar's the best bit of cookies. Sugar's the best bit of cookies. Why are you adding salt? Yeah, bloody pricks. No, no, you want salt and cookies too. Okay, <laughs> why are you adding green food dye? There's no fucking need. Ah, uh, now if you're making a St. Patrick's Day cookie, Ben, you'd have uh, a bit of green food dye. Why are you writing "All Lives Matter" in shitty icing on each one? <laughs> yeah, sort that out. Yeah, oh. get rid of that one. There we go. Oh. There we go. Yeah, nobody wants that oh. one. Oh god. There we go. See, they're ruining the cookies. Oh Jesus. Um. So yeah, it's going to be an interesting thing where we kind of have to wait and see. Are they are they going to make it all serious? Are they gonna? Are they going to try and? I'm and not, bloody. I'm not too worried, Ben. DC extended universe. Oh. Is there, there's no DC Extended Universe, Ben. We don't have to worry about that anymore. It doesn't exist. There's no it's such gone. thing. They've it's gone. Rid of it. It's gone. They've there's rid a of big it. call, though, Michael. The the fans have gotten a taste of power when they got the Schneider cut, and now they're kind of like, let him finish the trilogy. And they were like, well, editing a film to add stuff back in doesn't cost nearly as much as two more shitty films. Mm. Um, so probably Although not going ben, to do that. It kind of did, didn't it? Wasn't it like 80 million or something? Yeah, no, it's true. It ended up costing them about another film. I wonder if that uh, made money, Ben. I wonder if we'll ever find out if that made money. Anyway, Ben, that doesn't matter because... i tell you why that doesn't matter, Ben. Go on. Because apparently there's also Marvel films coming, Ben. Apparently, Ben, and you'll, you'll be just as surprised as I am by this, 
Black Widow's out next Wednesday, Ben. Black Widow's out next Wednesday, Michael, and I have no hope or expectation for it whatsoever. Oh, go on. Well, let's let's be very clear here, Michael. This film has been so drawn out. <laughs> it's supposed to come out two years ago, Ben. I'm thinking of it already. <laughs> like, why is it here? It can't possibly fit into the pre- prepared plan four. No. Or phase four. No, like, it, can't. It, it, it can't fit in there, can it? Like, it, it, it won't. The only way it can fit in, Ben, is if that is if it's inconsequential. Yeah, so it it has to be inconsequential, which beggars the question: Why are we getting a Black Widow movie after she's been killed off in the Marvel universe? Well, are they setting up Florence Pugh, Ben, as to be the new Black Widow? Oh, is that what they're doing? Yes, I believe that's what they're doing. Oh, they're going to have a I new d- Black Widow. So interesting. Do you think they'll treat her better than they did Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow and give her actual plot lines and decent character development, or will they just botch this one as well? No, I'd say they'll probably treat her better. I think they've I learned a lot so. of lessons. Yeah. Um, although Ben, if she's been through the red room, she will have been sterilized. So the question is, will she consider herself a monster for not being able to have children? Well, here's hoping that she has a conversation with Bruce Banner in a bar for no reason mm. whatsoever. Mm. Um, yeah, that'll be fun. Her her seeing herself as a monster in comparison to the actual big green monster in the room. That'll so be, Benjamin, uh, there's the real question: though, Is are we going to see it in the cinema? Because cinemas are back. I I don't want to go back to the cinema yet, Michael. I want to wait for my first jab. I want right, to wait for my you, first jab. I'll give jab. you a bloody jab, Ben. I'll give you a jab of this. Yeah, give me a jab of the old the old one two. Um No. Um vaccination registrations for my age group are opening next week, Michael. I'm very excited. Oh, good. Um, you must be getting older. Benjamin. Yes. <laughs> the real news is that okay, there's a trailer for Shang Chi or whatever. But there's a great That's scene in news. it. There's a great scene in it, Ben. There's an exciting scene. Yeah. Benjamin. Benjamin, are you calling it, are you sticking with your traditional pronunciation of Shang-Chi or are you going to toe the line and say Shang-Chi? Is that the correct pronunciation, Michael? Well, that's a hard one to answer, Ben. Oh. Because that's how you would pronounce it in Chinese. Hmm. Um, But also, you know... You don't always pronounce things the way you would pronounce it in the native language in English. Well, I I think originally, Michael, what I thought we were getting from this film was kind of a a classic Kung Fu movie. Mm, It's not, though. Which would have led... No, it's not at all. um, Which would have led me to believe that maybe Shang-Chi might have been the Americanized pronunciation of that film. And given that it's a Marvel movie set with an American backdrop in certain parts... Mm. That might have been the correct spelling. But now, Michael, you bring up a very interesting point. This seems to be deeply steeped in a lot of Asian mythology and especially in Marvel's Asian history. But regardless of all of that, Ben, it's a, it's a character's name. And if in the film everyone's calling him Shang-Chi and we keep calling the film Shang-Chi, then we're going to look like dummies. Yeah, so we're going with Shang-Chi then, are we? Well, we'll, we'll see what they say in the film, Ben. Well, let's okay. Well, let's just alternate it for now. Let's just alternate it for now. We'll call it whatever we want for now, Ben. We'll call it Iron Fist. And then when the film, <laughs> no, no, Benjamin, do you think he's going to punch that dragon? Uh, I hope so. I'll be punches that dragon and gets a golden fist. I hope that's um, how he gets the Iron Fist, Ben, by punching that dragon in the heart. So, Michael, this has so many little exciting moments in it uh, that people are just like, oh, my God, what a trailer. Um, So it looks like this is going to be the flagship for phase four. This is going to introduce the whole new wave of villains that we haven't seen before and uh, maybe things that were forgotten from previous films. Hmm? For example, for example. 
Hmm? Uh, so right at the end of the trailer, Michael, we get a glimpse. A, yes. a, a glimpse of a, a bloody a bloody uproar in Madripoor. A bloody scrap. Yeah. A cage fight between none other than Wong. Right, go on. <laughs> from Doctor Strange. And Abomination. Abomination, there he's Abomination. Back. He's back. comic book abomination because he's got the ears. He's got little flappy ears. So I don't think that is Wong, first of all. It could well be. But I think it's just a sorcerer. Just a sorcerer. I have a feeling it's just a sorcerer. That they've captured and made to fight in cage fights. Yeah, potentially, yes. Um, um, or, you know, it's, I don't know, is it all, is it all, like, are they underground sorcerers? There's lots of sorcerers. Oh, do so, you know what would be good, Michael? Go on. Do you know what would be good? If Baron Mordor has been incredibly successful and he's forced sorcerers underground. Mm, yeah, and they're like, we have mm. to stir underground now for uh, safety. Yeah, for safety. To, we have to fight these Hulk-like monstrosities. Um, I hope that's not just a snippet scene, Michael. I have a feeling it's just going to be a background fight or something that uh, Shang-Chi has to kind of wander into and be like, oh, oh, oh hell. Look, it's the abomination. Oh, look, it's the abomination. I hope the abomination is voiced by Tim Roth, Ben. I, if it's not, Michael, I'll be bloody happy to release the Roth cut. Oh, very good, Tell yeah. Me. We'll stage a walkout, Ben, of the cinema that we're not in. <laughs> um, we got a lot more. Excuse me, got a lot more COVID gold by the sound of things. A lot more COVID. Yeah. Um, we got a lot more uh, regarding the visual design of the new rings of the Mandarin. Mm. Um, and they look bloody good, don't they? Yeah, they're bracelets. They should have called them the ten bracelets because they're not rings. Let's be honest. Ah, well, they, ah, well, they are rings, though. Yeah, well, they're in, rings in shape. Yeah, they're rings in shape, but they're bracelets. He should have called his organization the Ten Bracelets. I like it, Michael. I think it's a, a much, it's a, it's a much cleverer design. There's a lot more storytelling potential in it, Michael. Um, not least of which is the little scrap where I like that they're all in the same genetic line. Assumedly, the rings are are tied to that genetic line mm. in some form, um, and so Shang Chi can kind of wrestle them off him, and they change color depending on the bearer. Huh? No, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, he's stuff. got red ones, and the dad's got blue. Yeah. Um, I like that we got a better sense of his dad being a villain. Mm. In this one, there's there's no there's no ifs, muts, or buts about it. It's just like, oh, not a great bloke. Not a great lad. He's always killing <laughs> not, people. Not a great bloke. And then, uh, yeah, he's just a harsh dad. He's like, oh, I told them they could try to kill you. I'm glad you didn't disappoint me. And it's just like, wow, dad. Mm. Wow. Benjamin, um, I'm seeing a lot of memes on Twitter and on Reddit that Marvel have finally introduced the greatest villain of all time, Asian Dad. Oh. No, it's, most, oh. it's mostly from Asian people, Ben. I know, but it's just very sad to think that's a relatable <laughs> that's meme a relatable for meme. people, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, that's a bit sad. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, fair enough. We're going we're gonna to get to see a lot of that. I am also excited for this, Michael. I don't normally get excited for Marvel movies, as you know, Michael. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's a real issue. But this one I'll, this one I'll watch. This one I like the look of. Uh, we possibly get Fing Fang Foom at it's one point, thing. Michael. Um, there's a lot of debate on which dragon in the Marvel Universe that is. Mm. Um, it looked to me to be a little bit Fing Fang Foomy. Yes. Uh, which would tie into the history of the... <laughs> Best adjective ever. <laughs> uh, it looked to me to be... Cause, because of his history with the Ten Rings. Um, the Ten Rings are ten, from technology from his yep. alien race. Exactly. Yep. Um and yeah, I, I think that'd be a nice tie in. I doubt he'll be an alien. I think they might just have an ancient Chinese dragon called Fing Fang Foom. No, I wouldn't be surprised if he's an alien. Ah, uh, sure. Let's make him an alien. 
Um, other but, other mythologies have turned out to be aliens. They have. Consistently. They have. That's true. That's true. As guardians. As gar- ask guardians. Ask guardians. Um, yeah. yeah for All right. Fair enough. So it could be could be aliens. But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing that one, Michael. That's not out for a while, though. Sure, it isn't. No, it's not out for ages. November, I think. Do you think if we wrote to uh, Kevin Feige, he'd swap uh, Black Widow with Shang Chi and just no. give us that first? No, I don't think so. Oh, okay. Never I'm mind. Be so quite surprised. I tell you what, we can watch right now, though, Michael. What is it? Bloody Loki, Loki episode three, Lamentus. Oh yeah, Lamentus Ben. He's uh, Loki is Loki and Doctor Who, the second choice for Lady Doctor Who. Lo- I know, right? Here's Loki in a Doctor Who episode, and she's bloody great. That, yeah. that so there's there's the fuckery, Michael. First of all, right, I forgot to introduce yeah, the segment. The fuckery. Yeah, this is not in keeping with the Marvel TV show universe tone or budget quality. I I found it, re- it it there was a distinct whack of Doctor Who off this one. There was a bang of Doctor Who off it, Ben. There was. You're not wrong, and I couldn't put my finger on it. And the second you've said that, I've gone. Yep, yeah, that was it. That was it. It was, it was a, Ben. It was a Doctor Who episode. The that weird purple planet, Lament. It's Lamentus. That's the name of the planet. Lamentia. Lamentus. I thought it was Lamentia. Lamentia. Uh, it's it's very cheap. <laughs> Isn't it slightly it's, cheap? It's cheap. Isn't it ever so slightly cheap? It's a quarry. It's a quarry with a purple colour grading over it. But even the weird blue costumes were Doctor Who. Like Doctor the Who blue costumes. guard costumes. Yeah. Um, the things like the the plastic um, the plastic crowd control, um, what are they called? Barriers. Yeah. They're just from now. They're just now things. It was... But the funny thing was that that whole yeah the the bit on the quarry was very BBC budget looking yeah but then when they got to the town whoo they upped that budget baby they did it looked a little bit like the Wakanda set I would that's be what I thought I wouldn't be surprised if they used the Wakanda set as the basis for it yeah it had that about it didn't it the, yeah. also Madripoor it looked like the Madripoor mm. scenes from with a purple color grade yeah, tint. Yeah. So I mean that was that was my big irk with it. I enjoyed watching Sylvie and Loki interact. I think that's a good pairing. I think there's excellent chemistry on display there. Mm-hmm. Um we get a little bit more with regards to Sylvie. Um I don't like the way the internet seems to be hedging their bets on Sylvie being the enchantress. They're like, "Oh, it could be that." Because she no, says she doesn't like to be called. Like, she is the enchantress. She Sylvie... keeps going on enchanting people. <laughs> S- Sylvie Lushton is an enchantress in the Marvel comics. It's, 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 and she's you... like, hold on a minute while I enchant this guy. And I'm like, I'm going to do an enchant on you. And watch this. Watch me enchant this guy like some sort of enchantress, you might say. What? You... Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do you think of what I've done there? I've enchanted this guy. You so... might call me an enchantress in many ways, I suppose, huh? Mm-hmm. And the internet's there hedging its bets going, oh, it could be. It could be. It is. It is. All right. It's grand. You can just... If it isn't, it's the writers who fucked up, not you. (laughs) No, well, it's not that, Ben. It's that... Okay, she might not be Sylvie whatever, Sylvie Brownsmith from wherever, Broxton, Alabama. Sylvie Sylvie Lushton from Broxton, Oklahoma. Yeah, and like it might not be her, and it might not be her backstory um, in so much as Loki has... Are we spoiling that? I think you've well, okay, we're doing full Instagram. spoilers from here. We're doing full yeah. spoilers from here. So in the comic books, Ben, it turns out that Loki gave her the powers because he's a bit of a prick. Yes, a big old prick. But also later on, it turns out that he might have just created her whole cloth. 
because he's a big old prick. Yeah, he could just be. She, she's just a manifestation of Loki in the physical world. It's weird. But that's all irrelevant because whatever you think of that, in this show, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, she is the enchantress. Yep, she's the enchantress. She doesn't like to be called Loki. People. Yeah. She doesn't want to deal with any of that. So it opens up a lot of interesting storytelling uh, possibilities, Michael. One, uh, one of the ones that's now gaining real traction in a Mephisto-like speed um, is that the Timekeepers are Loki variants. Oh, like the Council of Ricks. Um, and so if you wanted to play with that cool. as a concept, I saw a really cool mock-up of Richard E. Grant as old Loki, by the way, on the internet. It was very cool. That's my second favourite adjective, Ben. Uh, what? what well, is... The first one was Fing Fang Fumi, and the second yeah. one is Richard E. <laughs> Richard E. <laughs> yeah, Richard E. Grant. Uh, very good. His name's um, Grant, Ben, but he's quite Richard E. Uh, look at you. Smooth as butter. Smooth um, as butter, interrupting whatever you were saying. It opens up a, a lot of nice uh, possibilities for that. She could be a created uh, variant by the three timekeepers. Mm. So apparently, the big spoilers for the next episode, but apparently we get to see her childhood at the TVA. Oh. Um, and that would indicate that she was uh, born and raised in the TVA, which would make a very interesting thing. So perhaps we'll see more of that. Um, what's more interesting, I suppose, Michael, is the weird scene where she tries to enchant Loki and he says, what are you doing? Mm. Now, yes, here's where it gets interesting. I'm with here's you. where the internet has lost its mind. Mm. Half of the internet seems to think that Loki has been enchanted from that point onwards. Yes, and this whole thing is a dream because she says to him, Ben, you have to create a story where they're a hero in their head or something like that. And I like that. I like that. But then why does she fall asleep? Mm. That's that's the issue I have with it because we don't lose consciousness from Loki's perspective. We lose consciousness from Sylvie's perspective. She passes out in the middle of the bar and wakes up to Loki doing a bloody Asgardian folk song. Yeah. Uh, with everybody having a great bloody time. A grand old time. A grand old time altogether. Now, go on. that's interesting to me, Michael. Go on. That's very interesting to me because what I think has happened yes. and what a few other people on the internet think has happened is that Loki's enchanted her. Oh, he's turned it around. Because he learns how to do it from her. She explains mm. the methodology of what you have to do with a stronger mind. Mm. And he goes, hmm, no, no, no. Which would explain why she passes out. Go on. It would explain why Loki suddenly gets on like a house on fire with everybody in the bar. Except that one man. Except that one man who leaves. But makes a very clear point of giving Loki a dirty look as he leaves. And then Sylvie realizes something is wrong. So she can be the hero. Hmm. Mm. Mm. The other thing that I don't believe for a second, Michael, is the little temporal pad is broken. I don't think Loki broke that at all. No, that's all trickery and bull. Um, um, that's all trickery and bull hooey. Yeah. Benjamin. Yeah. It's very like Doctor Who, though, isn't it? It's too like Doctor Who for my liking, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> like, what's going on here? Doctor, Doctor bloody what they should have called it. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of Doctor Who in that episode. Um... I hope that tone changes. I don't want that to be the continuing tone of the thing. I thought the the runaround in the town was a bit cheap as well. I thought it was a really. I thought that was quite good. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, I like that it. bit. Okay, yeah, I like um, that bit. I liked the death and devastation and stuff. I thought it was quite good. And then okay. the resignation when the ship got blown up and they're both like, "Oh, we fucked it." 
And Sylvie just has a wander off and she's yeah. like, oh. Well, we fucked it now. Never mind. Yeah, very good. Very good. I enjoyed it. Benjamin. Yes. We better move on, though. We probably should, Michael, because there's so much to get through this We've week. We've got so much to get through, Ben. And I've watched, like, about six hours of Chris Hansen. And I don't want it to go to waste. <laughs> very good, Michael. Uh, you watched two other things this week, Michael. So... I watched Ben Chris Hansen to catch a predator, Ben. To catch a predator, Michael. Some would call him a monster hunter, Michael. That's my joke. Yeah, very see, good. See what I've done? Very good. I haven't the watched, it. I haven't watched it. It wasn't about um, Jesus. Benjamin, I've watched two things. Benjamin, I've watched two new releases. Uh, bloody wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I'm doing uh, a wink, wink, nudge, nudge, Ben. I'm shimmery doing, fingies. I'm doing air quotes. Yeah. Um, as our beloved guest uh, Connor pointed out last week, apparently podcasting is quite a quite a visual medium. <laughs> Benjamin, yeah, I watched two things, two new releases. Benjamin, the first new release I watched Ben was The Conjuring. The Devil Made Me Do It. <laughs> the Devil, the Bloody Prick, he made me do it. Yeah, yeah. That's not the name of the film, Ben. It was the Devil that made me watch the film The Conjuring. Oh, he did it. Yeah, Benjamin, you know that there's been twelve films in the Conjuring series. There shouldn't be, but okay. No, it's insanity. Yeah, that's, that's a insane. lot. Insane in such a short time. What is it? A six-year period? Uh, a decade, I think. But it's just nonstop. That's a lot of films. Conjuring. It's so many films. That's and sometimes two films a year. That's too many. And Ben, it's so confusing that Patrick Wilson is in these, and uh, and also in the Insidious films. Ah, here. I thought Insidious was in the Conjuring universe. Now no. it's all gone tits up. Because in, in the Insidious films, he plays the dad of the kid who's been targeted for demonic possession. Is that not Ethan Hawke? Is that not Ethan Hawke at some point? <laughs> it is. I think it is. Ethan Hawke was in the first Insidious film. No, that's film, not Insidious. Know. That's not oh, Insidious. For, that's, is that um, Sinister? Sinister, yeah. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> anyway, doesn't matter. He's in the mall. Um, but then this is um, so this is the third kind of mainline film in the story of Ed and Lorraine Warren the famous real world demon hunters Ben yes of Slash course absolute fucking shysters and con artists con artists yeah. <laughs> two of the greatest con artists of all time and like the other two stories Ben this one is based on a true story Ben and then once again I'm doing a winky face and inverted commas because Ben they're fucking con artists of the Just highest order. Picked up on a fucking mentally ill young man's case and it's went, insane. oh yeah. insane. This is an insane story. So, spoilers ahead for the film The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, Ben. Which is based on a true story of a real life murder that really happened in that America. Ooh. And the, the case... The, the the lawyers involved decided to make America's first ever plea of demonic possession. So not guilty by way of demonic possession. Jesus. And Ed and Lorraine Warren were already involved, Ben. But this is the story of how their involvement helps to solve the case. Okay. And it's very interesting from the following perspective. Go on. There, I have three points to make about it. Point one, as a film... It's not bad. Okay. All it's, right. It's it's reasonably engaging. It's um, it's fun. It's interesting. Oh, excuse me. There's a decent enough acting and decent enough characters, and you know, it's a, it's barely a horror film. Okay. Because it's not really a horror film. It's a supernatural investigation film. 
It is. Um, you know, there are horror elements, obviously, like demonic possessions and people flipping inside out and stuff. But it's it's more of a supernatural investigation movie than a horror okay. film. And yeah, that's my main thing. It's actually quite good. I actually quite enjoyed the film The Conjuring. The Devil Made Me Do It. It was good for you. It was quite good. Okay. Um, the very weird thing about it is, is I hate Ed and Lorraine Warren. Ben, in real life, they they sicken me. Well, yeah, because they're I, dirty con artists that prey on people's misery. <laughs> absolutely despise them. And the worst thing about this is, and here comes the huge spoilers, Ben. Okay. This movie presents that story as though the Warrens weren't res- the ones kind of responsible for putting the idea into this mentally ill man, in, mentally ill man's mind that it might have been a demon that made him lose the rag and kill someone. And it presents the case as though the Warrens solving the case and proving demonic possession got this guy off. Yeah. And in the real world case, Ben, they weren't even allowed to enter that plea. They were told, no, get out of here. You're not playing demonic possession. Yeah, that's the a lot guy, of awful. Yeah, so the guy was charged... And he was sentenced to 20 years in prison. So does he, does he get off in the movie? He doesn't get off. In the, so in real life, he was sentenced to 20 years and got released after five for good behavior. Okay. Which, you know, American prison system, overcrowding, whatever. That's what happens. Yeah. But in the movie, it's presented as though there are two options. Um, don't prove possession and he gets the death sentence. Or prove possession and he only gets a couple of years. What a load of bollocks. So it's presented as though the Warrens with their magical jiggery-pokery get him the lesser sentence. As opposed to they were laughed out of the courtroom and had nothing to do with it. I, I like how Hollywood has really... Oh man, that's just so irritating as a concept as well. Isn't because it? Yeah. Oh. I, remember, I remember watching behind the scenes stuff for The Conjuring and they go on as if the set is haunted. I uh, know. Yeah. And uh, you have to look at your one, uh, what is it for, what's her name? Mira? Vera Farmiga. Vera Farmiga, thank you. Uh, and she's scared to, to finish this film. And, and you're just <laughs> sitting there going, shut the fuck up. Like, I, I yeah, yeah. I've no time for it. Like, I, I, uh, I hate Go the on. ghosts are real crowd. I, I, I don't have time for it. Um, I I cannot stand it's it's a mockery of people's lives when they make films that glorify this kind of crap. It's it's real poor. So that's where that's what really divides me on this film because it's so divorced from reality. <laughs> it is so divorced from reality. It's yeah. just a good supernatural. It's just a good Monster Hunters versus the Supernatural film and as that it's pretty good. But every now and then you think back and you think that guy who got stabbed was a real man who got stabbed by a lunatic. And in this, they're presenting it as though he was a bit of a creep and demons did it. Like, yeah. What about his family? I mean, that's that's one of the interesting things about all true crime kind of podcasting and stuff. Yes. And I watched a really interesting uh, TikTok of all things, Michael. Oh, yeah. Um, where someone laid out the consequences of dragging up someone's personal history um, for content mm. and consistently doing it 
over time. Do you know what I mean? Like every true crime podcast that comes out and talks about like the nine year old girl that drowned or did she? Do you know what I mean? And it's like there's some really dangerous ethical issues with constantly dredging up really traumatic events in certain people's lives. Yeah, but then, Ben, imagine glorifying the lunatics who caused the whole fucking thing. Yeah, you see, that's even worse, isn't it? Because I looked up Ed and Lorraine Warren. Yeah. And they look like con men and shysters. (laughs) Well, that's racist, Ben. That's racist against the American South. No, it's not. Look them up and I tell me I'm wrong. Like. I know what Ed and Lorraine look like, Ben. I would know them <laughs> if they walked in off the street. I have no time for them. Anyway, look, that's the end of that chapter. It's quite a good film if you can divorce yourself from the fact that it's based on the life story of a pair of shysters. These are real and people's lives. Yeah, yeah. I'd love yeah. I'd love to know what Patrick Wilson and, and Vera Farmiga think about it if they do if they don't just kind of switch it off in their brain and go forget that part just they're fictional characters we're playing fictional characters but you can't because it shows clips of the real possession and stuff in the in the credits it's bizarre the conjuring is bizarre like that they have that and then they have the nun and annabelle and annabelle too here's more annabelle and have some more annabelle (laughs) yeah how about some more annabelle sir Um, Um, no thanks i'm quite full um, anyway, there's look. a picture of her with um, there's there's a picture of Vera Farmiga and Lorraine Warren on set, yeah, because they, they've met and like spent time together. But surely, when you were listening to people like try to con you, you'd be there going, uh huh, uh huh. Oh, this is great for my character research. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. but like, surely they must have some notion. It's like it's like as I said when I watched the the Conjuring behind the scenes stuff and oh the set is haunted and uh, it's unlucky. I just sit there going, this is the worst marketing stunt I've ever seen. Bizarre. Um, bizarre. bizarre. Anyway, Ben, I watched another film, Ben, that is also out now, in inverted commas, wiki face, air quotes. Ben, I watched 2020s, I don't know, was it? Or was it this year? When did it come <laughs> out? Monster Hunter, Ben. Starring one Mila Jovovich. Starring one Mila Jovovich and Tony Ja, your favourite flying knee man and mine. Oh, Tony Ja. Tony Ja is always doing a flying knee. And Ben... Does he do it on for a monster? Some, he's doing that. He's doing also as a flying knees. And for some reason, Ron Perlman. Oh, yeah, Ron. Ron Perlman in one of the worst outfit and wig combinations I have ever seen in my entire adult life. I Benjamin. love Ron Perlman. So as you know, Benjamin, Monster Hunter is based on a Capcom video game. Yes. And as we know, Michael, video game movies are great. Yes. Sometimes no, though. Sometimes I have to disagree with that, Ben. Sometimes Mostly no. Great. Yeah. So... The weird thing about Monster Hunter the Game, Ben, and I have very limited knowledge of it and I've never played it, but Monster Hunter the Game is actually about monster hunting in the traditional sense of hunting, Ben. In the traditional sense of, like, la chasseur, Ben. Yeah. So you're hunting it for its meat. And it's a horns. classic hunt. It's an actual hunt. So Monster Hunter is about going out and killing monsters and, like, skinning them and using their skin to make yourself some armour. Nice. And using their horns to make yourself some weapons and using their bones to make yourself a soup. So it's a good old-fashioned hunt. It's a hunting game to, just to be about big giant monsters rather than... Um, deer. <laughs> deer or whatever. But the problem with it as a film concept, Ben, is that's not a film concept, is it? No, it's not, Michael. That's a video game concept. That's a video game concept, Ben. So they've had to create a plot here and what they've done is had Mila Hovovich accidentally end up in the monster world, Ben, and then we follow her struggles to get home. 
But why? I don't know. Because, <laughs> Ben, we, we everyone knows that your greatest enemy, Ben, is the weeaboo. Uh, yeah, look, just... Uh, let's not get into it, Michael, because I'd spend hours. Go on. You've no time for the weeaboo, Ben. You've no, no time... You've no time for people who play Final Fantasy. You've no time for anyone who likes anime. You just hate the whole thing. This is not a bit. <laughs> no, no, it's not a bit. It's true. Um, <laughs> no, for the listeners. Yeah, yeah. The not whole, the whole weeaboo, the whole Monster Hunter thing, Ben, is very much for um, people who love humanoid animals, anthropomorphized animals, teaming up with them. Um, Wearing big spiky armor, having a sword that's three times the length of your body—it's very Japanese. So impractical. It's very Japanese, Ben. And a lot of this movie reminds me of the early days of comic books, movies, where that someone came along and said, "We have to ground this in the real world." Oh no! You know what I mean? <laughs> and oh, then no. you just get bullshit. So we get like hard-bitten American soldiers accidentally trapped in the Monster Hunter world. Of course. Led by Mila Hovovich. Of course. Yeah. And it doesn't make a fucking lick of sense, Ben. They they have some Osprey troop carrier airplanes, Ben, right? Classic. And they're firing their, like, airplane-mounted miniguns at these monsters. Fair. And the bullets are, like, pinging off the armour of the monsters. Okay. The same monsters, Ben, which after the monster has killed... All of the soldiers and the tanks and the miniguns and everything. Mila Hovovich and Tony Ja then kill with bows and arrows and swords. Oh, it's a classic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense. Because, Ben, if a monster has a skull through which a human being with a human being strength can drive a sword, a milk bottle shaped round from a helicopter mounted machine gun going to do a lot Hun- of damage hundreds of them per second is going to turn that monster into liquid it doesn't make any sense and they don't even attempt to explain how tony ja can chop the monster's head off with a sword with a flying knee with a flying knee just flying knees the monster and its head comes off but that thing has just ignored 150 rounds per second of massive it, it doesn't make any sense ben and The reason it doesn't make sense is it's not supposed to make sense because the Monster Hunter world is a pre-industrial world. Okay. So, like, in the video game, it makes sense to kill them with swords and bows and arrows and stuff. But then if you added in military-grade weapons and a bunch of trained soldiers... The modern American military, it doesn't make any sense. The other thing is, it's so obviously not a Michael Bay film because (laughs) the, the military presence is so small. That's the weird thing. There's no Mark Wahlberg, huh? There's no Mark Wahlberg. There's no Marky Mark. There's the no point. Funky Bunch. It's no use. Um, it's fine. Like it's it's silly. It's silly and stupid. And like every other Paul W S Anderson film, it's it's slow motion shots of his wife looking cool and sexy, <laughs> doing Good a flip, him. doing a flip and a kick. You know, Miljovovich owes a lot of that man her career and, <laughs> a lot and of her him, career to that and man. him her let's and him honest. her yeah let's be honest it's a mutually I, exploitative I have, relationship unlike the Warrens Ben I bear them no ill will whatsoever they're just, <laughs> like, they're just a married couple and he can make a film and she can do sexy moves in slow motion and they've it's never tried to plead demonic possession in court no. and convince a mentally ill man to do so yeah I can't imagine Ben 
that um, anyone who's played and enjoyed the Monster Hunter games would like this because it's like why are there modern American soldiers in my Monster Hunter and is is it a classic the Chinese a grand bunch of lads film is it made no. more for the Asian market than it is for the no no I wouldn't no. say so okay. um, there's Tony Ja in it and um, a couple of other Asian characters but they're all minor and die very early so I wouldn't say so oh, well, it, it is like there is it is ten cent production, so there is a lot of Chinese money behind it for sure. Okay, um, but it's it's it might have it has some stuff aimed at the Asian market for sure, but it's it's just silly. It's just a big dumb silly Milohovic doing slow motion chops. Ah, sure. Sometimes you need that to cleanse the palate for what comes next. Huh? Exactly, then. And uh, what comes next is sometimes the film Van Helsing, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> we'll talk about that a bit later, um, Michael. Yes. Now at 55 50 minutes. minutes in, <laughs> let's get on to the main topic. Um, well, Ben, I think you could argue that The Conjuring and Monster Hunter were both part of the main topic. Yeah, because they're all about hunting monsters. Some of them more successful than others. Sometimes it was about creating fictional monsters to get people's lives ruined. But hey. 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 Um, so, Michael, um, this one popped to me uh, in the shower a while back. I was like, oh, Monster Hunters, that'd be a good episode. So I put it down in the calendar and here we are. Um taking a look at monster hunters now michael let's be very very specific here all right um, when we're talking about monster hunters it's very difficult to define exactly what a monster hunter is only yes it isn't what i'm talking about are people that have dedicated their lives yes to the hunting and slaying of beastie boys like the winchester boys like the winchester boys mm. the bros of winchester yeah um they've dedicated their lives to doing this is it for the thanks michael no is it for the glory michael occasionally depending on which story you read um but look it's it's kind of about the guys that have either an axe to grind yeah with all things monstrous um, or the people that are just capable of doing it and they have to do it for the good of humanity so that humanity can live its life but mm. michael yes what I find fascinating about the monster hunter archetype is that it's been around for a very bloody long time. Always has been. Yeah. Um, so way, way back in the day, Michael, we had our, our very first monster hunter um, in, in written kind of story form. And that was Gilgamesh. I've heard um, of him then. From the Epic of Gilgamesh. That story's over 4,000 years old, Michael. Wow. That's old. Yeah. That's old, man. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got him, and he was a he was a bit of a shyster at the beginning of his career, Michael. He was a a, a king and a pretty poor one, um, and he was just a bit shit. And he was kind of sent around of punishments by the gods because they were like, "Here, you prick, grow up." Um, and so he went up and did these things. And one of the things that he often did was fight an elm monster, um, very good, including Enkidu, who would later become his best pal and possible lover. No. <laughs> um, they gloss over that one a lot but that's an actual fact Michael um, so he's kind of our first round of that then you have other examples of that like Beowulf um, and certainly in the western canon Michael way over here especially the old British Isles um, excuse me the what? the British Isles and the Republic of Ireland Get, no. just let, me, let me finish excuse me what sorry <laughs> let, let me finish um, you get Beowulf and Beowulf is kind of the old English equivalent we talked about him a little bit last week as kind of one of the origin texts for fantasy but he's also one of the first examples of a bloody monster hunter he used to go around and kick monsters butts that's what yeah. he'd do like here Grendel I'll kick him in the head come here to me slap yeah. um, and he'd sort them out and it'd be all good but Michael I suppose for for the career monster hunter 
Yes. For that archetype, you need look no further than Greek mythology and Hercules. Oh, he's a good egg. Or is he, Ben? Most or of the time, is no. he? Or is he, Michael? Because Hercules is a pretty damn interesting character. When you get down to the brass tacks of Hercules as a thing, not a great guy. No. Real good short temper. Hmm. Got in Kill. lots of trouble. Killed his own wife and kids. Killed his own wife and kids, Michael. Yeah. Not great. Bit what happens then? Bit of a misogynist. Uh, you could probably remove the bit of. Mm. Um, and yeah, like not a not a great character, which is then sent a rel- uh, a bloody a bloody host of tasks, labors, if you will, by yeah, the boy. goddess Hera to redeem his reputation. And so he goes, um, and he has to complete the twelve labors of Hercules, which later become thirteen because of some bloody uh, red tape and cheating. Uh, it's not ten, Ben. Huh. Is it it could, or it could be 10 and then 11. Oh, I think it's no. no, it's it's 10 and then 13. A few get dis- discounted. A few get but, discounted. Ben, it's not like these are facts. So it's... <laughs> They're also stories and that's fine. Yeah. But he could be seen, Michael, as the first of these because it turns out that he kind of has a mythic destiny to complete these labours. Um, and what he does is he travels around the ancient world and he kills monsters. Oh, yeah. um, the Hydra, the Nemean Lion... The hmm. oh, what's the name of the other one? The boar, the the Eretrusian boar. I'm not gonna get it right. There's a big boar, and it's fucking oh, yeah. up people's shit. Um, yeah, yeah. there's evil birds. Uh, ben, yeah, the big boar should just start a podcast. <laughs> ben, like all the other podcasters. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Ben anyway, has to clean some stables. That's not he has to clean some stables, but it's with big man-eating horses, Michael. Oh, t- typical um, horses. So there's there's big beastie boys in in every one of these labors that he kind of has to overcome. And the reason he's doing it, Michael, as we find out at the end of his labors, is he's clearing the world of primal beasts, mm. um, so that humanity can flourish. Um, because humanity in this particular ancient Greek tale, it can't. Sur- can't surmount the obstacle of these monsters these monsters are inhibiting progress for example the Nemean lion might be uh, his hunting ground might be on a major trading route um, mm. or uh, they might be unable to topple a despot because he has a pet bloody man eating horse or Benjam- what not <laughs> Benjamin yeah the, what I was saying earlier about Monster Hunter really uh, a lot of it really I think someone heard those tales of Hercules and went this is great we could make a game of it because the whole thing is he goes and gets the lion and he's like, I'm going to shoot this lion with arrows because it's a big dumb lion and I can shoot it from far away like a prick. And he goes and he tries to shoot the lion and the the things just bounce off the lion because it has an impervious, impervious hide. hide. Yeah. And he's like, all right, well, I'm just going to kick the shit out of it then. But then that he doesn't goes work and he, either. <laughs> he goes and he kicks the shit out. He strangles it to death, I think, generally. He strangles it in the end, yeah. And he's like, oh, I just Does that a lot. <laughs> yeah, he's always strangling people to death. Lions, hydras, his wife, wife and kids. <laughs> oh, Jesus yeah. Christ. So, but yeah. then, Ben, he skins it. And then he has a lion, an impervious lion's hide that he Great. wears on his next adventures. It's and great. that is, Ben, that's the core mechanic of the game Monster Hunter. <laughs> Keep the cool thing, move on. Yeah, and that's what the film Monster Hunter tried to show but fails miserably at. Because they put the US military with ineffective weapons in it. Yeah, yeah, bullshit. 
I find if you add the US military to anything, it usually turns into bullshit. Uh, but anyway, Michael, <laughs> but anyway, uh, let's keep going there. So we have uh, Hercules, <laughs> which is a whole thing. Um, and that leads us into the kind of the more modern era, Michael, because Hercules has been a huge inspiration for loads of different characters um, over the years. You've got your Conan. Conan's just Hercules, Ben. I don't care what you say. I know you can't change my mind. Um, you've got your Xena, Warrior Princess. Lady Hercules, yeah. Arguably your John Carter of Mars, which is just a Greek myth reskinned. Yeah. Are these monster hunters, though? Xena's not a monster hunter. No, they're, they're not, but they, they do lead into the Monster of the Week adventures because we do mm. deal with those a little bit in different things. Um, and I think the modern sensibility today, Michael, is to see a monster and empathize with the monster and kind of understand where the monster's coming from. Um, but that's not really what we want to get into today, Michael. What we want to get, in, what we want to get into today is supernatural levels yeah. of monster hunting, which is, Sammy, it's a monster. We gank it. We don't talk to it. Um, and that's uh, that's that's what we're going to do today, Michael. So we got loads of feedback on this one. Apparently, Monster Hunters are a pretty popular story mechanic. Um, Benjamin, a very broad category, apparently. A very broad category. So we got a lot of different ones. So I, I put this out to our, our listeners um, on the old Instagram. And we mm. got uh, a lot of different ones. Some classics like Blade. Hmm. So there's an interesting question, Ben. If you're talking about Monster Hunters... Does someone who only hunts one type of monster, is Blade a monster hunter or is he a vampire? I mean, there's the question, Michael. Let's get into it in a couple of minutes. Uh, All right. right. Then we have Jill Valentine from the Resident Evil series, who I think is a reluctant monster hunter, and I'm not sure she counts. Yeah. Jill Valentine is a monster runner away or from her. (laughs) Classically, yes. Um, Then we have uh, Ripley. Ellen Ripley. Ellen Ripley from... uh, from Aliens? Yeah, from the Alien franchise. No, she's from all of the Alien. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and she's more of a Xeno hunter. And even then, a reluctant Xeno yeah, hunter. that's the thing. Ellen Ripley isn't... Okay, she does in Aliens very briefly. But generally, yeah. like, you don't say, okay, there's Aliens. Put in a call to Ellen Ripley. And then you get a montage of her going, ch- ch- putting the gun on her back and going, yeah. let's hunt these bitches. Yeah, so I, I think the interesting thing about it is uh, we do, however, run into another character here who was suggested to us. This is Ash Williams from the Evil Dead series. Mm. Um, and I think that's closer to the traditional uh, model of the monster hunter, or at least the one we're going to talk about on today's episode. Because this monster hunter, Michael, has to deal with lots of different forms of evil. I would say that Ash Williams from the first two films, at the very least, isn't a monster hunter. No, but he's just an unfor- a poor, unfortunate soul. In the in the course of the third film and the TV series, he has acquired the skills, and I think the 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 defining thing that makes this different is, um, do they decide to do it? Yeah. So I think it's I think it's you you have two possibilities. You get the call to action, mm. which is the standard story trope for this kind of thing, and some people go nah, yeah, fuck that. No, I'm all right. And other people go. Heck yes. Mm. Let's do it. Let's get rid of all of them. So I think in in looking at that, Michael, what we get are some pretty... Oh, where are my notes? No, my notes. You're away from them around the floor. Hang on. I've lost my notes on the floor. Hang on. Oh, he's gone. Oh, he's back. I'm back. I have my notes. Um, So I think what we get there, Michael, is the the kind of the resigned career monster hunter. And I think we get some pretty great examples of that as we go through. One of them, which we're getting season two of very soon, Michael, is bloody Carol Tavrivia. Henry Cavill's The Witcher. 
Henry Cavill's The Witcher. And I think he's a brilliant monster hunter because he has to know the lore of all the different ones. He has to specialize in the killing of each one. He's got one sword for one type, another sword for another type. Mm. There's a whole bunch of considerations when you're monster hunting with Henry. Yeah, monster hunting with Henry. And he is the very definition of a monster hunter in that he goes up, he shows up in a town and says, all right, lads, is there any monsters that need hunting? And they go, oh, there is a Wendigo that's giving us a bit of stick. And he's like, all right, give us 30 gold. I'll be back in a week. Brilliant. And then off he goes. Off he goes and kills that monster. That's sorts that's it. your whole point. He's there to kill the monster. He doesn't have monsters thrust upon him. Um, he's not <laughs> He's not a victim. He's just like, I'm here to kill the monsters. What monsters have you got for me? Some men achieve monsters, other have monsters thrust upon them. Yeah. Uh, He's like, where's monsters? Where's the monsters? I'll get them for you. And I think that's what ties it back um, to those mythic origins, because Beowulf was the exact same. He's a he's a monster for hire Uh, or he's a he's a hunter for hire. And he kind of goes around and and he expects a little bit of glory Mm. and a little bit of uh, a little bit of compensation. And he goes on and gets the job done in another place. Um. And I think uh, we we get to see those kinds of characters over and over. One of my favorite iterations of this, uh, Michael, in the last couple of years is Hellboy. Go on. Um, Hellboy is kind of a perfect example of a monster hunter. He works for a bureau, in fairness, so it's not like turn up in the town. But he goes all over the world, Michael, and fights different mythologies and lores and, and things like that. And he has to deal with them. The thing I really like about Hellboy is he's part of that world. Yeah, he is, um, he is a monster, man. And he's perfectly suited to the job. Mm. Um, so again, it it comes back to that kind of ancient mythological thing. Where some men seem to be made for monster hunting. They have like a, an unnatural ability to just take on the monsters of the world. I mean, Hercules has his phenomenal strength. Um, Gilgamesh was half deity. Um, Beowulf is a little bit different. He's a very powerful king, and I can't remember. It's hinted at that he has something in the original text, but they never explain what it is. He's that makes him so suited to it. Uh, say He's Ray Stevenson. Ray Winston. Ray Stevenson. <laughs> Ray Stevenson would also make a good Beowulf yes. for what it's worth. But um, yeah, so I, I think it ties back to that quite nicely. Hellboy is fantastic because he just travels around the globe taking out every mythological Tom, Dick and Harry. Um, and as you might assume from like a decade spanning narrative, because I think Hellboy has been going for 20 years. Mm-hmm. More. Which is insane. Like it's it's nearly as old as me, I think. Yeah. Um and obviously once once you get into that kind of long form storytelling, there's a lot of room to maneuver there. And Hellboy over time comes to recognise that, oh, am I supposed to be doing this? Is this uh this a thing? Mm. Should I be killing everybody all the time? Exactly. I much prefer the ones where it's their job as opposed to the ones where it's a calling or uh you know revenge the winchesters don't make any sense let's be honest they don't <laughs> make on. any sense <laughs> go on you're going to offend so many people i mean I, ben, as you know i am a big fan of the winchesters but it just doesn't make any sense like for one thing in the early seasons they sometimes struggled with money and they invented this thing where oh yeah don't worry about it we do credit card fraud or whatever but yeah like the the, the winchester boys ben they have a mental illness and they, they should seek support because they Lots have dedicated their entire lives to picking battles that no one asks them to pick. And True. Like, they're career criminals, I guess, 
Although it doesn't make sense that they have the lifestyle they do while also trying to fight monsters. Because the level of fraud they would have to be committing to be able to live the lifestyle they do is spectacular. It makes so much more... And also, it's all for revenge for their ma and pa and whatever her name was. Jessica? I Fridged girl number three? Yeah. I I don't know. I'm like, lads, get over it. Get some counselling. Speak to someone... It's like you don't have to fight this battle on your own. I wouldn't even mind, right? Except they've been given multiple opportunities to let it go. Yeah, and they just um, don't. And they've set up lives outside of that. And then all of a sudden it's like, damn it. And it's Damn why, it. And they go why, back in. <laughs> it's, why the, it's, it's the reason why the finale rang so hollow in Supernatural. Because it's like, oh, this time you are letting it stick. Are you? Why? Oh, okay. Yeah, why? Yeah, what's what's made it different what's this different time, now? lads? What's different now, lads? What's so Dean got stabbed by a random vampire and he's dead, and that's it? Why? Doesn't make any sense. And, and it's grand. And then uh, Sam goes on and and lives an entire life without his brother. Yeah. It's just like it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, all those fifteen it's years fine. have been an absolute lunatic. I'm over that now because Sam got impaled by a random vampire. That's why. And I'll... then heaven is the deep south. Apparently, that's why Apparently. I really like The Witcher because it's his job. Yeah, and he quite often has the moral conundrum of, ah, oh, well, I could stop, but it's my job. Yeah, it's my job, and I need the money, and you know, they're, the monsters are bad. It just puts an extra spicy layer on it, in my opinion. Uh, one of my one of my favorite kind of weird versions of this, Michael, is uh, Van Helsing. Yeah, no good. And we, we've gotten so many Van Helsing iterations, Michael. But one of my all-time favorites, and I used to have a poster of it on that very wall there because I saw it when I was like 12. Right. I just thought it was the coolest movie ever. Is Hugh Jackman's Van Helsing. Benjamin, um, I've done you a what? favor. I've watched it this morning. <laughs> and I tell you what, I had a fucking miserable time. Richard Roxburgh's Dracula. Yeah, very good. That is quite good. He is quite amusing. He, he's having the best fucking time yeah, on that film. He's hamming it up and he's being as camp as he likes. And he's like, oh, I've always wanted to play a bloody Dracula. Yeah. He's having a great time. One of the characters, Ben, says to him, I'll die before he t- I tell you. And he says, don't be so boring. Everyone who says that to me just dies. Like yeah, mm. and it's like he's so he's such a jaded Dracula. He's yeah. great, yeah, um, d- dude. That that movie has everything. That has like the the, the weird bat wives of Dracula. Yeah. It has werewolves. Yeah. It has Mister Jekyll and Doctor Hyde. No, Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. Yeah. Like they're all there. It's got Frankenstein. It's got Igor. It's got it's Kate Beckinsale in it for some reason. And he's hunting all of them. Yeah. He's hunting all of them. I, I know it's a terrible film, right? But I have a soft spot for it as like a B-movie schlockfest. That initial chase through Paris mm-hmm. with uh, Mr. Hyde, great. Great opening sequence to a film. Very good. And the- I'll make no apologies. He's got all the tools. Yeah. He's got like a sawy blade to get out of the bell. It's great. Much better Mr. Hyde than League of Extraordinary Gentlemen from a few years before as well. Bloody, uh, what's his name, Ian? I can never remember his name. Anyway, um, yeah, much better. Much better um, than that one. Big, big, bloody, big lad. Um, But yeah, those career monster hunters are great. Like, you have the Belmonts in the Castlevania history as well. That's just a family. Yeah. Like, that's the Winchesters taken up a notch. That's like generational. An entire generation of absolute fucking lunatics. But I suppose it probably raises an interesting question from a, like from a psychological point of view with the Winchesters. You could probably look at career soldiers who constantly go back for more tours of 
you know, wherever they have to be, mm. like Iraq or Afghanistan or something like that. Like it, it brings to mind the question of PTSD and if you can go back to normal. Yeah, Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I suppose that's where counseling comes in. Just this, you get some counseling, Ben. <laughs> get some counseling. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Monster Hunters are such a great part of, um, are such a great part of a lot of fiction. But I think one of the most entertaining things that we can see happen to a Monster Hunter is we get someone who comes in as the big monster hunting expert, you know, the the champion of the people. And usually they die within the first couple of minutes of dealing with this new monster threat. Mm. So um, we saw that a little bit in Fright Night. I don't know if you've ever seen Fright Night, Michael. The original or the new one? I've seen them both. Yes, the original is better. The original is better. Anything without Colin Farrell, usually when Colin Farrell is phoning it in, is better. Um, but yeah, so um, that's a really interesting thing where they call in the expert kind of magician lore guy. And he's just useless. He's fucking useless. Um, in the face of actual monsters. And it's it's pretty entertaining. I looked up, Michael, before this episode. I, I was looking up monster hunters. And they give some terrible examples oh, in all the, oh, the let's go-to get into lists. This. Let's get into this then. So, like, one of the one of the lists had the audacity to say that bloody Newt's commander from Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them was an example of a monster hunter. Well, I guess and he t- kind of is, I guess. He's, ah, he's looking for the monsters. He's get put, out of here. The box. Yeah, but he's not getting rid of them, Michael. He's not getting rid of them. No, he likes them. He likes them. He's their best pal. Mm. He's a monster bud. Yeah. Um, he's a zoologist. He's a, he's a cryptozoologist, technically, mm. Michael. Um, hang on, let me try and find this list again. Okay, Come you try and it. find that list there, Ben. Well, you spin your wheels there. What do you think of Monster Hunters? Ben, I watched uh, Van Helsing, and I tell you what, <laughs> whoever directed it, and when I say whoever directed it, I know who directed it, it was Stephen Summers. Um, it, it's so close conceptually to being as good as The Mummy, but yeah. it over-eggs the pudding at every step of the way. Like, all right, you wanted to have werewolves and vampires and Draculas and Frankensteins. You wanted to have them all. You wanted to have Kate Beckinsale once again in the mire of werewolves versus vampires. She must have been so sick of it in the late 2000s. Um, And it's just not quite there. And one of the reasons it's not quite there is that Van Helsing himself is no Rick O'Connell. No. Um, no he's not he just isn't he's too competent he's too skilled in everything he's it's implied he's potentially an angel yeah he's too flawless and then he even gets the delightful Kate Beckinsale killed and just no good like he's a bit sad about it and they have a they burn her and her her face appears in the clouds in one of the dumbest scenes in movie history but yep he He's too. He's no Rick O'Connell. He's he, if if Van Helsing had been a bit more of a character instead of this flawless demigod, it might have gone somewhere, and they hadn't overegged the pudding so much. Oh, but they did, Michael. They and egged that bitch. Also, Ben, someone whom the the director of cinematography of that film has an enormous Kate Beckinsale shoe fetish. He does. There's not a single shot of it that doesn't start from her high heels and then pan up her body. And Ben, I always used to read these academic essays about the male gaze and go, stop exaggerating. And then I watched (laughs) Stephen Summerhalder's... Is that his name? No, Stephen Summers. uh, Van Helsing. I went, no, that is true. Oh, that is the male gaze. It it is true. Oh, no. 
So if for no other reason than training purposes, it's yeah. a great film. Yeah, it's like, oh, no, uh, it is true. Like, it's not massively exploitative of Kate Beckinsale at the same time. She's But it's still... She's fully dressed for the entire film, but just every shot of her starts on her high heels and pans up her legs. It's bizarre. It's mental. Michael, we've run out of time. There's no point in me trying to read the rest oh. of this list because oh, no. we're, we're miles over the thing. Oh, no. The other examples, just before we go, the other examples were, because I've, I've teased it now, John Constantine, boo, not a monster hunter. Not even a little bit. All right. No way. Okay. Not giving you that. Uh, Ghostbusters, boo, not even monster hunter. <laughs> Get out of town. Um, the other one that was there was um, Mystery Inc. Ah. Oh. As it, which, in fairness, great monster hunters, but they were never monsters. Yeah. So I don't know if we can hold that yeah. up. Is Chris Hansen um, on there? Chris Hansen is not on there. He should be. He should be. Yeah. Hunted monsters quite a bit. Um, some of the ones that we forgot to mention, Michael, that you'll probably enjoy. Cassie Hack. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I forgot uh, from to talk Hack about and her. Slash. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the male gaze. Um, no, I think she's a lesbian. Oh, okay. I think it's still the male gaze she's written through, though, isn't it? Oh, sorry. I thought you meant like homosexual men, like male gaze. Oh, male gays. No, <laughs> happy pride, everyone, by the way. That was yesterday. Um, good for you. And then uh, the other thing that uh, came up there was Solomon Kane. I forgot to mention Solomon Kane. Solomon Kane. Who's Cain, kind of a... Who's also he's kind of a... Van Helsing. Go on. He's Van Helsing. He, he, huge inspirational from an aesthetic point mm. of view with Van Helsing. And uh, up there in the era of Conan and Tarzan. He was written around the same time by the same creator of Conan. Mm. So that's uh, pretty interesting. And we probably should have touched on that. We should probably do an episode on Solomon Although Cain Solomon Cain isn't so much a monster hunter as a witch hunter. Oh, okay. Is it specific? I didn't know that. Isn't much. he? I, I don't know. Is Solomon Cain what inspired, or wasn't, sorry, was inspired by the traditional image of the witch hunter with the big pointy Spanish hat. Oh, I think he definitely and is. belt buckle. And one gun and one rapier. Yeah, I guess you're right. I guess you're right, Michael. Um, there's also a couple of non-Western um, ones, like um, the Jaegers in Ty- Attack on Titan. Um, they're monster hunters, but a very specific type of monster again, so does it count? Yeah. I don't know. And also, arguably, they're reacting to the monsters rather than proactively going after them. That's true. It's more of a defensive stance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you see, I don't think that counts again. Oh, this is an interesting one. Let's put it out to the listeners, Mick. All right, put it out to the listeners, Ben. Lads, what makes a monster hunter? What makes a monster hunter, right? Let us know. In First of all, if you're listening on the L Spotify or whatever, yeah. give us a review before you let us I know do, anything yeah, at all. Yeah, that's good. If you're listening to us on bloody iTunes, do the same, please. Uh, send it around. If you have a monster hunter fanatic friend, send this episode to them directly somewhere. That'd be very good. But if you want to get in touch with us and give us your opinion on this episode, you can find us in a bunch of different places. And we've changed things up a little bit, Michael. We've changed things up a little bit. You can find us on the interwebs at www.shomrabeog.com. S-E-O-M-R-A-B-E-A-G.com. Means tiny room in Irish. You can find us on Instagram at Sure Look, Sure Listen Podcast. I know, you changed it. I changed it. Um, You can find us on Twitter at ListenSure. And give us your opinions over there. Mm. Or or you can leave us a comment if you're listening on YouTube, which is pretty interesting. Go and subscribe to one of the podcast channels over yonder. Yeah, over on YouTube. That if you're listening. Uh, hop up on that Discord, Ben. Hop up on that Discord, baby. Mm. And let us know what you thought of bloody Monster Hunters. What you think of them. What did we get right? What did we get wrong? Who are your favorites uh, from comics and stuff like that? Join us. 
in a week's time, ladies and gentlemen, for the release of Black Widow, where we'll be, where we'll be doing Cold War comics. We'll be taking a look at the weird, weird, slightly racist portrayal of Russian culture ah, in comic books from the 1960s, 70s and 80s. We're going to have a look at the history of Russia in comic book fiction. Very um, good. Next week in Cold War Comics. So join us then. That's it from us, ladies and gentlemen. Bye-bye. Goodbye. It was a pleasure to speak to you all.